Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Annette Densham, the founder of The Audacious Agency. She's a fabulous PR who's been helping small businesses to get noticed for almost a decade. She's also the author of three books, the latest of which, a memoir, will be out this month. Welcome, Annette. It's so great to have you on the show today. Oh, it's really awesome to be here. I'm sure everyone says that, but it actually is really awesome to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm feeling a little bit chuffed by that. <laughs> For our audience benefit, I'm sure um, a lot of them are actually quite familiar with you because you write a lot, you contribute a lot of stuff for us on our sites in in the PR and marketing area and you're quite an expert there. But I think probably what a lot of them wouldn't know is that you used to be a journo. You're on the dark side. <laughs> I am. It's just like I said to someone the other day, you know, where do, where do old journos go to die? They either go into PR or they go into corporate comms, and I've now done both. <laughs> so I've got a double whammy. What was it that made you forego your journalism career and, and take a leap and go into your own business? That's a long story, but I will give you the highlights. I've got time. You've got time, heaps of times. Well, it is is in my book. But when I was a young journalist, so, you know, back in the 90s, I was working for a fairly large media organisation, and... I kept not being moving up in the ranks mm. and I just I could never work out why you know I'm a talented writer I'm a curious human being I get along with most people um, you know I'm, I relate to most people so I'm really good at getting people to talk mm. and I could just never work out what it was that I was doing wrong until I went into the editor-in-chief's office and went what's going on dude yeah. Like, why Why do you keep overlooking me? And he told me that I was too vivacious. What? Uh, yes, those were his words. And, and I won't tell you what I said to him because it was a little bit rude. And <laughs> I was gobsmacked. And I was like, really? So you, what, you just want boring people working for you? Oh, my gosh. And so he said, oh, look, Annette, you know, if you go do these projects, then we'll have another look at it. And I just went, why do I have to keep proving myself? Mm. I just don't think this is the right environment for me because I'm, I just wasn't very good at playing games. I'm still not very good at playing games. Mm. And I just went, I just, I can't keep doing this anymore. So reluctantly, I walked away. It was, you know, I was 25 years old and it had been my dream my whole life. I was one of these kids who, you know, didn't just sit and watch, I didn't watch Neighbours. I watched A Current Affair and 60 Minutes and mimicked Yarn Event and Ray Martin in the mirror, Yeah, to, you know, to make sure that I was holding my hands properly and I was speaking eloquently and articulately. And so when I went, I, I can't do this anymore, it was heartbreaking. It was devastating. So I was in Sydney at the time, moved back to Brisbane and just thought, oh, I can't just walk away. This is everything that I want to do. You know, like I want to, I want to win a Walkley Award. I can't do that if I'm working wherever. So I got back into the media industry, but I did um, just freelance stuff. So I worked for the most of mates no longer around. It closed last year, the senior newspaper. And I did that for eight years and it was the best job. I interviewed and wrote stories from anything from politics to economics to 
you know, Mary celebrating 45 years as a volunteer with Meals on Wheels. Yeah. And I ate lots of biscuits, drank lots of cups of tea, and I met some incredible human beings, which kind of instilled back into me this love for journalism. And um, Because it must have been devastating, like, yeah, going to your editor and getting told that malarkey. And so it's great that then you were able to pick yourself up and find a way back in and have so many fantastic stories told to you along the way. Yeah, well, it, it did, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, it, it did cause me to reflect on how I was showing up in the world. Um, mm. So for a long time I squished my personality down, especially when I left the senior to go work in corporate comms mm. and I went, okay, well, I've kind of like got to be a bit more sedate and, you know, not be so over the top and vivacious as apparently I am. And it's like, oh, that was really hard. It was, you know, like trying to squish yourself into a pair of jeans that, you know, you ate chocolate over COVID and you no longer fit into. <laughs> so, work, yeah, working in corporate comms, I, I actually juggled journalism and corporate comms for quite a long time until it got too much, especially being the parent of two small children. Yeah. But I will say that the, my corporate comms experience was amazing. I worked with some really incredible people who nurtured and and helped me grow my ability to use words, not just from a who, what, when, where, how, why perspective, you know, just writing the facts, mm. but to be creative and emotional and provocative and, um, you know, bring people along for the ride with the stories that we were telling because I mostly worked in not-for-profit. So mm. it was amazing opportunity to combine my love with people, with my love for storytelling, and then go, here you go, people. This is what these awesome organisations are doing. Please support us. Mm. And it is interesting because it is, it is a very different skill set, isn't it? Like journalism, straight journalism for a newspaper is very much or it should be about reporting the facts, the who, the what, the why, the where, the how. But when you move into other areas of journalism, there is much more of that human element to the story. So was that the biggest lesson that you learnt in terms of your writing? Yeah, absolutely, is that it didn't just have to be that prescriptive writing, that I could use my imagination and creativity to connect with people's emotions because, you know, like look, if we go back to when, you know, I was a young journalist, you know, media's changed, as you'd know, Sec, over the years it's changed so much in the way that we present information now. You know, I see it's very much opinion-based mm. and you know, sometimes there's not a lot of facts involved mm. and it's, you know, what's the latest viral video of TikTok but back Back then, you just you got taught those principles, those basic principles of writing for a newspaper, and it was really quite boring. I mean, like there's so many, so many ways you can zhuzh up a story about a new tax program or you know <laughs> someone winning a gold medal in a sport. So yeah. entering into corporate comms, I think, at the time was devastating because it was like this isn't really what I want to do but it did teach me how to expand my breadth of abilities and skills so that when I did start my own PR agency, I was not coming in as just an ex-journalist, but I was coming in as someone who had 
written awards and written grants and written speeches and annual reports and magazines and mm. website content and fundraising um, marketing materials that, you know, I really felt like, you know, if it was an Olympic team, then I would be running, you know, the decathlon. Yeah. Well, not just running, it would be all the other things I'd be doing as well. <laughs> Long jump, shot put. What What is in a decathlon? <laughs> I, I don't know, but the running bit, I don't know why I led with that because I'm t- I can't remember the last time I ran anywhere. <laughs> so what was the tipping point then for you to leave behind the corporate and actually go out on your own? Well, that wonderful thing called restructuring. Ah. Annette, we're restructuring the marketing department and we no longer need your services. Mm. So I had been headhunted for this role. Again, I was I was comms manager for a, a fairly large not-for-profit organisation and they came and said, you know, we think that what you're doing is amazing over there. We want you to come here. You know, this is a Greenfields role. It's new. You come in and you, you make your mark on it. So I yeah. went in and I made my mark and I think I opened my mouth far too many times. And, um, yeah, within less than 12 months it was like, thanks very much, we don't need you anymore. It's probably something that quite a lot of people have in common from over the last 12 months, though, that, oh, sorry, we're restructuring or we're, because of COVID there's so many people were made redundant. What did you look at from from your perspective? Did you immediately go, these are my skills, what else can I do, or was it, was there a more circuitous journey than that? Like what what made you hone in on PRs, what I'm going to do next? I sulked for six months. I, I got a fairly decent redundancy payout, hmm. but my my spirit was crushed, my self-esteem was crushed, you know, because at the time I think I was a 43-year-old woman and it's considered middle age these days, um, you know, with, with two kids and, I, and this was only like my third or fourth year back into the workforce. Mm. And I was just devastated. It seems like that's my, my life pattern. This is what I really want to do. No, we don't want you. And I'm devastated. So I for six months I, I did the most menial, boringest of boring jobs and I binge-watched Dexter. <laughs> so I'm not sure that was appropriate, you know, watching a serial killer while I'm, like, cursing the world. <laughs> and then my girlfriend said to me, I'm going to this weekend seminar. This guy's going to teach us how to use webinars to build a business. And I've got, like, rolled my eyes and went, yeah, yeah, that just sounds awful. And she mm. said, you should come, get out of the house. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I went along, arms crossed, eyes crossed, legs crossed, sitting there listening to this, waiting for the, the big pitch. And and then he said something that I went, oh, okay, that's thought-provoking. He said, every single person in this room is an expert at something mm. and there are people who want to pay for that expertise. And then he went around the room asking people and my, girl, my girlfriend's like elbowed me in the ribs, just tiny, tiny little Japanese lady and, She's like, man, she's got pointy elbows and a really <laughs> sharp dig. And she's gone, that's you. Like, look at all of that life experience and, and work experience you've had with the media. There's there's people who, who want that. Mm. So we invited those of us brave enough to put our hands up to stand on stage and pitch an idea to do an hour's webinar. 
on our expertise. And I went, well, I can show people how to use the media to get publicity. Mm. And I still remember, I just got goosebumps. The he, the guy's partner was sitting at the back end of the room and he, he his head just was like someone had pulled him back by the hair and he went from the back of the room, I love it. That is awesome. People need to know that stuff. And I'm like going, really? How could you not know how to do that? Like it's mm. it's not hard. So we pitched it to the audience and then they had to vote and people stood up and clapped and cheered for my idea. And I'm like going, oh, wow, maybe there's something in this. And um, I, did my, I did my hours webinar live to 100 people and I think, 200 people online, mm. adult nappies were definitely needed that day because I was petrified because inside my head I'm going, oh, look, like I'm not even a real journalist, you know, like I I never really did anything amazing and, like, I'm just a mum and, like, who really wants to hear from me? Mm. And I, I almost pulled out. My husband said, no, you're going. I'm like going, okay, I'm going. <laughs> and I walked away selling $5,000 worth of this program that I had yet to create and a new business. Oh, wow. Because I was in a room full of small business owners who went, we really want to know how to connect with the media. How do we tell our stories? Because mm. we don't know how to do that. And me and my, um, you know, conscious com- unconscious competence just thought everybody knew how to do it. Mm. So I started out as the PR superwoman and <laughs> I don't look good in tights, so <laughs> we, we had to quickly change that and was, was teaching people how to do their own PR until I realised that people really don't want to learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, they they would buy the course and just never start it. So I went, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to pivot. I pivoted before it was popular. <laughs> And started doing it for people. So I've been doing that for almost nine years. Wow. And how did you manage to squash that voice in your head that was going, oh, what do you know? Oh, look, I think it was just, I'm, you know, one of the qualities I love most about myself is my my grit and my Mm. resilience. And I think that even when that voice was speaking to me, I just kept thinking, if I don't do this, what else am I going to do? Do I really want to go back into an employee situation? That hasn't worked out so far. Mm. What what have I got to lose? And just I think just I just took every day as it came. It was like, where, where's the opportunity for me to grow today? How can I become a little bit bigger than I was yesterday? And, you know, nine years on, I was just talking to someone before and we were talking about imposter syndrome Mm. and I said, now I just think, you know what, I have something of value to say. I've got skills that are valuable. I've been finessing and honing them for 30 years of my life, that there is value out there and somebody needs to hear what I have to say or how Mm. I can help them. So stuff everybody who thinks whatever about me it's got nothing to do with me I'm just going to show up be me and if they like me they like me if they don't they don't and if I can help them I will if I can't I'll 
recommend they talk to someone else. Yeah. And let's touch a bit back on that grit that you were just talking about. Like I had the pleasure of reading a few chapters of your book, which is about to be published. And it certainly seems to me there is a lot of grit in you. (laughs) You're you're very determined, but you also have a great sense of humour and you seem to be able to rise above despicable situations <laughs> and, and I'd just like to touch on that a little bit number one what made you decide it was time to write your memoirs and um what is it about you you think that gives you the resilience that you have to even when people like knock you down you get back up again the reason I wrote well COVID was a big reason because you know we all had a little bit more time on our hands mm. and I had, you know, because I'm a writer, I always kept saying, you know, one day I'll write a book. You know, one day I'll write a book. And I just, I keep, would get stuck on, but what am I going to write a book about? Like I've written a couple of books about PR, but, you know, let's face it, no one's going to curl up in bed with, you know, how to be a media magnet. You know, I think that'd be, as my husband <laughs> said when I presented the book, he went, oh, wow, congratulations. There's lines in it. Do you have to do work? And it's like boring. Um, that I thought, well, I, I'm a storyteller. I really want to tell stories that people can relate to and, you know, be inspired by and, and learn from. So I did a, a book project last year with an incredible book coach based in Queensland and mm. I wrote a chapter in a book and it just was like, oh, my God, that was such an amazing process, you know, like I used creative writing skills that I haven't used since high school Mm. and I went you know what that chapter was fun is in a funner way as you know digging into your family secrets can be (laughs) I'm I'm gonna write a whole book I'm 50 years old um you know last year was significant in so many ways for so many people but it was my 50th year on the planet and I thought you know what I'm gonna reflect on the first 25 years of my life and how that implicated the opportunities and, um, you know, the progress of the the next 25 years of my life. How did I end up here? Mm. So I sat down and, you know, every day tapped away writing 100,000 words. It's a a big book. (laughs) And the second question was um, how did I... How Your resilience, I, yeah. Yeah, how have I become this person? Yeah, that's a, such a good question. Like I don't actually know if I have an answer because I I feel I haven't really done anything extraordinary except for survive and mm. thrive. That, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, you know what, saying that, I think looking at my mum who was there for, you know, the, the first half of my life. Um, she sadly died when just before, when I was in my 30s. Mm. But she had lived such a horrific, traumatic, chaotic life that I think I looked at her and went, you just, you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over getting the same result. Mm. and you're sad and you're miserable she's awesome you know awesome human I loved her very much like she wasn't a terrible human being but her life experiences really impacted 
the way that she showed up. And I thought, I, I guess subconsciously I went, I don't want to be like that. Mm. I don't want to be miserable because something bad happened to me because I think that there's always always a silver lining in everything. You know, like one of my favourite sayings, it, it is what it is. You know, something bad happened to me. All right, that sucks. You mm. know, did I want to walk away from my journalism career? I, I probably could have stayed, but I went, is this the person that I want to be? No. How can I turn this into lemonade? How can yeah. I use what I've learned and go do something else? So I get that that grit just comes from stubbornness. <laughs> I'm just stubborn first and foremost is I'm not going to leave this planet and say I didn't give everything a crack, that mm. I didn't have a go and even if it hurt me or it damaged me, that at least I learned something from the process. Yeah. I think it's a great philosophy to live by. Uh, yeah, it's work. It's working for me. I, you know, I'm a, like writing the book was a very in-depth, sometimes traumatic process because you know a lot of things came up that I'd forgotten that mm. had happened in my life, and and writing them out, it was like, oh. Gee, I'm glad I stacked that away for a while until I was ready to deal with it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I guess from a, a human perspective is that we do that. We protect ourselves yeah. from. Put it in from, the box. <laughs> yeah, and I put a lot of things in the box, but I thought, you know what, I've still got, you know, another 40, 50 years on this planet. I, I don't want to leave anything hidden. Mm. I just want to get it all out there because... It's just it's going to make me a better person and it just means that whenever I show up, I'm showing up as me. I don't have that baggage that, you know, I want people when they come into my presence to go, I feel so much better because, you know, and it's not a negative Nelly. You know, yeah. she finds the humour and everything and, man, she's amazing at finding songs that go with almost any situation on the planet. <laughs> And I'm very good at that. There should be a, I reckon there should be a game show. I reckon I'd win it. <laughs> and that I look at myself and, and I show my children, most importantly, that doesn't matter what happens to you, is that your story doesn't define you. It, it doesn't shape you. Oh, it does. You go, stuffed it up. That's really good wisdom, Annette. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're sure your story doesn't have to define you. It can shape you but it doesn't mean that, that you have to live with that baggage because yes. what's the good thing about a suitcase is that you can empty it and put it in a cupboard and go, okay, yeah. you go yeah. in now. I don't need you anymore. Optimism and humour. I think that's the key. Mm. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you want to put in a little plug for the book? When's it? Um, when will it be published? When's it out? Published on May 23 which coincides with someone's very special birthday, me. (laughs) So um, I'm having a book launch on Sunday and I'm putting on a comedy show for my friends and my family because, you know, the book is heavy, but I want to show them too that, you know, the the comedians on stage have also been through a lot, particularly over the last 12 months with the impact on the entertainment industry Hmm. that, you know, they're showing up and they're, putting smiles on people's faces. And the book is called um, How to Eat a Shit Sandwich and Keep Smiling. 
because <laughs> I've certainly eaten my share of them and I'm still smiling. <laughs> Thank you very much and hopefully no more of those sandwiches in your future. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. I think I've weeded out that part. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for, for joining me, Annette. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much.